I thought it would be a nice idea for once to talk about Pasha's Masseh. It usually gets the short end of the stick, and Matzah is there so much that the Dogim and the Bnei Godim and the So by the time we come to the Masoas, we're tired out. So, but the MS is that when you think about the Masoas, there's a lot, a lot, a lot to think about. Now, of course, the obvious question is, what's the purpose of recording them? Now, the, um, there, are, there are different midrashim, different shittas, we'll see in a moment, the Rambam and the Mayur, and the Ruchim even addresses the Shaila. But first we'll have a look at these, at this medrash. Rabtan Chume Dorash Boit Rosha Acheres, Moshe Lemelech Shohoya Benoi Choyle, the Melech had a sick son, Vay Lichoy Lemokem Rochoyk Lirufu Osa, or Lerap Oisoy, he had to go to a faraway place where they were able, where they would be able to cure him. Kivan Shoyu Chayzren. On the way back, Hischel Oviv Moine Kol Hamasoyz. Every time they came to one of the places where they had camped on the way there, his father would tell him, Omaloi Kan Yoshanenu. This place where he slept, Kan Hoy Kanu. Here we cooled ourselves off. Kan Choshashtes Roshro. Over here you had a headache. You remember? So each one of the Masoyz reminded us or could remind the people who actually traversed that derech of this and this and this that happened there and therefore it's worthwhile uh, recording them the truth is that when I saw this medrash I thought I, I had a confirmation of something which I said long long ago and I never knew whether I was right there was a time uh, I think maybe they still do it now the Torah Masoiro uh, has a summer course for teachers to, you know, to, to give them some ideas and help them a little bit in the teaching methodology and so on. So for a couple of years they asked me to give a shear on for the Tanakh teachers to try and uh, share some ideas with them. So a couple of times that I did it, maybe two or three times, I always did the same shtick and it sort of kind of worked very well. I had the Tanakh teachers each year, of course it was a new group, and they were sitting there and I started off the lesson, I said, look, you're all professional Tanakh teachers, uh, do you mind giving <coughs> a mark to your Tanakh program in your school? Would you give it an A, a B, an F? What would you, what, what do you say about the Tanakh program in your school? So, uh, the average always used to come out the same, like a C, a C minus, D plus, who knows, but it's sort of hovering in the, in the, in the backwards, as it were. It wasn't a particularly inspiring mark. So then I asked them, no, so why do you think that the, 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 the project of teaching Tanakh isn't going that well? So they gave all kinds of answers. It's a minor, it's not a major. Uh, usually the time allotted to it is when the children are already sleepy and uh, uh, it's, not such a, it's not so important. There's a whole psychological attitude towards learning it. So that, um, so that they ascribed to this uh, psychological uh, uh, way of looking at things that maybe that is why the program was less than overwhelmingly successful. So then I asked them, okay, now let's see, I'd like to hear from you, why are you teaching Tanakh? What, what is your motive? What are you trying to teach the children when you teach them Tanakh? So there, there was a sort of an ominous silence, because nobody really sort of knew what to answer. And then there came tentative answers. Uh, one person said, um, oh, it's to teach them good middas. 
I said, look, uh, I don't think it's the best text for teaching good matters. Every second chapter is another war and another 10,000 people being killed. It's, it's, I mean, the, the, the dogish of Tanakh does not seem to be uh, teaching us good matters. Abadi Gavista has him to everything that happened. But to say that the object of teaching Tanakh is to teach good matters, uh, you could better learn in the Siddhasi Shogam. Other books which are available for teaching myths or something else said, well to teach them history. So I said, no, I can tell you, Tayo Masada can certainly give you a number of titles where the history is taught in a more Masudic way and uh, in greater detail. Uh, we're not learning Tanakh because, because, uh, because of the history. Okay, so we eliminated myths and we eliminated history, so what else is there? So oh, it's a chalik of the Torah, so we have to teach it. Good, so how is that supposed to motivate and interest the children? I mean, they're learning Torah the whole day. Boys are learning Gemara, Mishnahis, whatever it is. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so why are you teaching Tanakh? And the kids, uh, it, it turned out that none of the teachers, really none of them, and either of the, uh, maybe two or three times when I tried this, really had any clear idea of why they were teaching Tanakh. So I said, look, if you all, I mean, it's not I who said that the program is not going so well, it's you, you gave it a, a, a C- minus or, a, or a, whatever it is. So we look for an explanation. Well, if you don't have a clear vision of what you're trying to do when you teach Tanakh, so then um, obviously it's not going to go so well. So why do we teach Tanakh? So of course, at that point... Uh, and they all ask, no, 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 what do you say? Why do you teach Tanakh? They ask me, well, it's not for Midas, it's not for history, it's not for Torah, so what is it? So I told them what I thought. And I thought like this. I said that I approach Tanakh, when I teach Tanakh, I approach it like a letter that a Chosen writes to a Kala, or a Kala writes to a Chosen. And what does that mean? So if, you, if you have a Chosen and a Kala, they finally, Baruch Hashem, got engaged, uh, everything is fine so now he writes her a letter she writes him a letter and you know what does it say in the letter you know it mentions a lot of things which somebody who's outside the loop would not know what they're referring to remember that time when we were standing outside that drugstore and blah 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 and this and this happened you remember that time when this happened you remember that time when we met that guy and they they go back and every event during their, let's say, the dating period, during which they got to know each other and finally decided to become Chosen and Kala. So every moment of that time, every incident that happened during that time was somehow contributory to this wonderful relationship that they now enjoyed. So, do you remember this? Do you remember that? I think that that is what Tanakh is. That Vanish uh, through his Nevi'im, it was who wrote the various forum in Tanakh, that through that Nevi'ah uh, uh, pointed out to us uh, that uh, this event, remember this Nevi'ah, remember this thing, you remember uh, David running away from this person, you remember this, you remember that, it, and was Tanakh can be a, an aid in defining Yiddishkeit to ourselves, and to define the events which are described in Tanakh through the Mephoshim, which are Mephoshim to us, to show to earmark what role that particular event plays in our history. You can make that very, very exciting. Yeah, you can point out this and this and this happened. Wow! Yes, and now we understand how our own history developed and so on. And that's how I understood that, that, uh, that uh, 
Tanakh is written and that is how I understand that Tanakh ought to be taught it ought to be an exciting sort of looking over the shoulder of the Chosen Kaviyochel and looking over the shoulder of the Rebani Shalom Kaviyochel and to see oh wow see what incident he thinks is significant let's try and understand why this is significant let's try and understand why this is something that a, that a, that a, that a good Jew ought to know I, I, but I, 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 and for years and years and years I sometimes look back to those times when I gave those shiurim and I wondered whether I was right is the taku what Tanakh is so when I saw this medrash I sort of found myself confirmed a little bit again which is a little different, a little sadder. The beginning is the same. Kishachazru hisril oviv moine kolam masoes va'aymer kan yoshanenu kan hoykano kan choshashtes roishro. Kach omalay kodesh bochol lemoshe meneilohem kolam akoymos hechon hich isuni. Lekach nema eli masoes. He's not saying, like the Guaya says, that this listing of the various places was there to show the love of the Rebbeinu Shlom, how he was metapel with us, like an Av would be metapel with his son, with his son who's sick and whom he's taking to the hospital. The, uh, over here, the matter says, "Hey, von Hichisuni." They weren't, they weren't, we weren't so good during those thirty-eight years. And that's why it counts up the Masors. That's a big shaila. You know, we don't really know what happened during that time, during those 38 years. We really only know that people died. What actually happened then, we don't know. I would have thought they're, they're living in the Ananekove. They're eating mon, which is zivashchina uh, for breakfast, lunch, and supper. They're mamish like malochen. And they're learning Torah, a good Rosh Hashiva, Moshe Rabbeinu. And, and for, for 38 years they're sitting and learning in Kyle. What can that I mean, what, what, what could be so, so bad over there? But the emesis, the emesis, I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the, the Medionim and the Benoist Moyov and so on. Like, why did they suddenly be Mizania? These were these wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Bnei Yeshiva of Moshe Rabbeinu. And suddenly they go and be Mizania with women. What, what's going on? So, you know, I offered some kind of a, of a, of a, of a way I understood it. But if in fact these 38 years in the Midbar were times when we were mach is the Rebbe so maybe that would explain it. Anyway, that's not the ikka of what I wanted to say in the Shia today. The, the, but, but at least the Midrashim addressed the issue. Why should these uh, Masoas be, be, uh, be expressed or be, be listed? Um, very interestingly, is the function of Hirsch. Uh, he, he stells it on the on the posuk over here posuk Aleph um, by, uh, it's posuk Beis really Vayichtov Moshe es motso ehem lemasehem he translates Moshe recorded their decampments for their journeys at the command of God Alpi Hashem and these are their journeys for their decampment <laughs> it's moldic the, t- the post switches the order listen carefully again first that was a Piyashem 
the Eile Masehem, and this is the way, apparently, that's how Rosh Hashanah learns, how they experience it, Masehem Lemotzoehem. The other way around. Masehem Lemotzoehem. What's the difference? So Rosh Hashanah learns like this. The translation of Motzoehem Lemotzoehem means the departures which they took by Yift of Moshe as Motzoehem. Moshe Rabbeinu wrote their departures Lemotzoehem which were made in order that they should travel. That's how the Rabbanishon viewed these travels in the Midbar. That he viewed these travels in the Midbar as leaving a place where they had dredged that Mokhaim already from all the Hashpahs that that place can possibly have on them. They had used it to the fullest. So now it was time to leave it in order to come to a new place. In order to to, uh, to, to become bigger, to become better. Here I'll read the sentence to you. Whenever God ordered them to break camp, his intention was that they should attain a new goal. And God's educative guidance would seek out for them a new resting place which was suitable for the attainment of that goal. Each Massa entailed progress. The Massa was the purpose of the Motze, decampment. Thus all the decampments were Motze Ohem They left place A. Why? Because they needed now, in the avoider, they needed to go to place B. That's Moitzoehem Lemasehem. But what was there? To the people it was just the opposite. Wherever they stayed, they were dissatisfied. When the time came to leave a place for them, the decampment was the purpose. It did not matter to them where they were going next. The main thing was to leave the... Let me get out of here. The main thing was to leave the place in which they had been staying. They journeyed forth in order to leave their place of encampment. They were just fed up with where they were, and whenever the Onan uh, moved, it was a sort of a collective sigh of relief, Baruch Hashem, nothing can be worse than this place. Thus all their journeys were Mas'ehem Lemotzo'ehem. I mean, it could be that these two Midrashim, the two Neschoes and the Medrash, which we noticed just now, could be that they kind of are based on these two things, maybe there was Azolcha Yidin, Azolcha Yidin. We're not, we're like, we're, we, we, we've failed many, many Nisyanas in our history. But it's, uh, you know, you have, you, have, you have both these things. It's interesting that, uh, that the, uh, the Rambam in the Mayur Nebuchem, the Mayur Nebuchem in Perek, uh, in, in the third Maima, it's Perek Nun, just to read a couple of lines to get a sense. In, in that uh, paragraph he discusses why the Torah has so many parshias which seem to us to, to not be particularly useful. So why does it mention them? He talks about the, 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 the kings that, that uh, ruled in Edom and so on and so forth. And uh, that kind of thing. Uh, so now one of the things that he discusses is that the the uh, the travels like why are the masoves so necessary? Oh, so let's see where I can find it. Oh, mize has koras hamasoves among those problematic parshias where we don't really see why the Torah bothered to tell them to us. So it's has koras hamasoves. Oma, 
in order that people shouldn't think that this is useless, therefore it says by the Masoes, Vayichtov Moshe as Moitzehem lemasehem al pi Hashem. So God wanted that we should know these Masoes. So you don't think that it's just Dvorim Shal Mabukar. No, so why did he want? Und the Kudas hat Zeugav lekach gedeulam ma'oid, vuhu, shakola nisem ein amitosam berura, elo etzel mishogor oisam. You can't really appreciate a nace and the aspects of it which you know about why it needed that. So if you were there and you saw the entire picture, so then you know, oh, now I understand why this detail was necessary. Because in the broader picture, this detail made a lot of difference. But if you don't see the broader picture, you never know why each detail was necessary. What's going to be in the future? The people are not, haven't seen, they weren't there. So it's only a story. And therefore the person who hears it may well be mevatl. What do I have to know this thing for? Take the shiva. Yeah, the, 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 he, he, the rider was drowned even while he was still on top of his horse. Very interesting. Now, what's it, what's the purpose? So if you understand the wider effects and what Kriyas Yamsov was all about if you experienced it and saw what was happening so then you would understand this detail that's what the Rambam is saying oh see that's what it says the Yodua Shelo Yitochen Velo Yitztaya Sheha Pele Kayim V'Oymed L'Meshach Adoylos L'Chol V'Nei Odom so people will forget they won't understand O Min HaPeloim Shebetoyro V'Av Min HaGedoylem Shebohem Shehiyas Yisrael B'Midbo HaBoim Shona O Metzius HaMon Shom B'Chol Yoyim V'Oysa HaMidbo Hukumay Shoma HaKosov Nochosh V'Sogov V'Akrov V'Tzimoyin HaShayin Maim These weren't simple Midboros There was nothing to eat and it's a Nochosh and Sogov and Akrov and Tzimoyin V'Heim HaKoymoz R'Choykim M'Oyd Min HaYishuv B'Iltu Tiviyim L'Odom Lo M'Kom Zero Osein no human being can exist over there. They'll say, yeah, I understand. The Yidin went through the Midbar. But what does it mean through the Midbar? Right near a place where there was a town. You've got nomads, uh, Arabic nomads who live in the Midbar. So they don't live in the midbar which is described by the earlier descriptions. They live somewhere in the midbar near some town. They live in a midbar which is only half a midbar. You can plant things over there. And so on and so forth. So says that that is later on he says another few things uninteresting, unimportant. But what what he says at this point is that the list of the Masoas will help to underline the fact that the Masoas took place in places where it was totally impossible. Impossible. And that therefore we're dealing in the Daya Midbar with a nace of such enormous proportions lasting 40 years that it's beyond all description so it was necessary the Rambam says to list the Masoas so that we should know where all these campings are 
and where all these campings were, and we'll see how desperately desolate they are, and how wilderness-like they are, and that there's Nechoshim and Akrabim and Avasas Tutsuch, and know and see and appreciate the enormous nace which the Rebbeinishim did to us. That's the Rambam. What I want to share with you is this, that both these Mahalchan, that of the Medrash and that of the Rambam, leaves a certain problem, in my mind at least, and that is I can't even think of, of another Pasha in the Torah, maybe there are plenty, I just can't think of them. But it turns out that the practical Torahless of the listing these uh, Masoas was really only for people either who remembered the events which had happened at each one and each one would fill in oh you remember when we were in Rizma this and this and this happened we don't associate anything with Rizma the Rambam yeah well once you've been in those places you see how very very difficult the situation was you'll appreciate the kind of nace that the Rebbeinisham did for us with yeah, maybe in from Eretz Yisrael, maybe that's what they did in the first uh, 50, 100 years that they were in Eretz Yisrael. Maybe they made Cholamoy trips to the desert. It wasn't so far. Uh, you know, was, uh, I saw somebody point that out, you know, from from uh, from Chayyav uh, to Kodesh Barneya was 11 days, Sachakoy. In other words, they traveled 40 years, Lemaise in the end, to traverse an 11 day journey. I was very close. From, from Chorev to Kodesh Barnea, from where they sent the Muragim. It was only 11 days. So, you know, you can, you can, you can go to the Cholamoy trip, and you come to this place, and uh, you see and how desolate it is, and the Choshem, and the Akrabim, and all the good Sachen. So you, ooh, wow, that was a terrific nice. But uh, few of us have taken that particular tour of the, of the, of the deserts, and and so what 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 do these masoas mean to us? When I said before, I can't think of another thing. I can't think of a, a, a simon or something which the Torah gives a mitzvah to remind us of this and this and this and this, which is only meaningful for the people who actually experienced it. The Torah tells us that we have to remember Yitzias Mitzrayim. That I understand very well. You have to remember Yitzias Mitzrayim because we know about Chelus and we know about this. We know about that. We know. We know more or less what happened over there. If we don't know it very accurately, at least we know in general terms. So we're supposed to remember that. That is, um, is very understandable. But to say this is like a father who takes his son on the way back, says, remember this, remember that, remember that, remember the love letter from the Chosen to the Kala. That, yeah, that, it's not, it doesn't apply to us. And, and uh, also what the Rambam says. But Kitsa, what I'm saying is that the reasons which I came across were all looking at the listing of the Masoas as helping something to the present generation, but leaving it for us who don't have these associations really not useful in the same sense that they were useful to them. I, I can't tell you uh, how vast the desolation is in this or that stop along the Masoas because I've never been there and I've, I wouldn't have an idea about what it looked like so but the Torah is Nitzvi so is there some way that we can understand the listing of the Masoas in such a way that it's meaningful to, to somebody who wasn't there who isn't there so the, the Mishunadika 
Hashgrofa. I said, no, I don't have the right to, 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 to assume that the Rabbanisham did this especially for my sake. But, you know, it is Hashgrofa. So yesterday I was in the car. I was traveling from, from Lakewood to Baltimore. And I had in the car uh, a disc from one of the shiurim of Moshe Shapiro's Algesinsen. So, you know, it's a wonderful experience to be able to listen to the, to the, to the wonderful Chochmah of this person. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. So, the, I really only heard half the shir because for some reason I think the rest was erased. But uh, I, I got far enough to understand some of what he was saying, whether I understood it in a profound way, I can't say, of course. But I, I, do, I did understand the words at least. So, what, what he says, he, he starts off with a question. He says, So he asks, what do you mean, It should say, I mean, what does it mean? That in six days, the Rebbeinshem created Shemaim Vohoretz. So if that's what you're saying, so then you should say, Apparently, Mephoshim asked that. But it doesn't say that. It says, so the Yesoid, which is the basis of the Shir, which he is giving over there, is that in this world, everything is temporary. Everything is movement. Sheshes Yomim, a Yom, is a measuring unit of passing time. You start at point X, 24 hours later, you know this day is gone, now comes the next day. That's what Yomim are. Yomim are passing things. So, what the Posuk is saying is, Kisheshes Yomim created heaven and earth thus, or such that, it should be an experience of moving, of moving from point A to point B. The thing that is the actual place, that means the point to which all those six moving days was oriented, that point is Shabbos every week. And the rest of the Shir refers then, at least the rest of the Shir that I heard, refers to Hanchel Oyava Yesh. Yesh, Yesh means something that exists, that is. So apparently there is a Chazal that Yesh stands for Yovel and Shmita. That just like the six days of the week lead towards Shabbos, the seven times seven, Sheva Shonim, Sheva Pomim, Sheva Shonim, you count until you get at this yeah, until you get to to to, to the Yovel and to to the, to the Yovel. and that is the tachlis of the world. In other words, just like the six days of the week are a moving process towards an end, but not yet with a capital E, so the years, each six years count towards Shemitah, the Shabbat Shabbosan of the earth, and the seven Shemitahs, which are counting towards the Yovel, which is the end point of where things come to their fruition. Now, I didn't hear the rest of the Shia, I don't know whether... <coughs> the, the following which I'm saying, maybe uh, I'm lucky enough to have been mechavan to what the Moshe Shapiro said there, maybe he mentioned it, maybe he didn't mention it, I just don't know. So the following Atkan, the Moshe Shapiro, at least Moshe Eisenman's understanding, very inadequate understanding of what he said, and the rest is my, my own thoughts on the subject. But once I had this in mind, from that shir which I heard yesterday, and I thought about the Masoas, so it struck me that the Masoas 
were really the ideal of the life that was lived in the Midbar. Meaning, um, I, I checked back before I made this here today, <coughs> and I wondered what I had said in past years. So I looked back in that long list <coughs> on my website, and it, I saw that I only had one share on Matas and Masse, and that was from uh, 68, and now we're in 72 years ago. Last year, for some reason, I didn't say the share, I don't know why. So, um, so there I discussed in that shir how come um, the Musafim at the end of Pinchas and the Nidorim at the beginning of Matos, how do I come they come over here in the middle of a narrative safer? Just like we discussed in Nosa. So what's Saito doing there? What's Nosa doing there? What's Gezlager doing there? Why interrupt a narrative with those apparently unconnected mitzvahs? And at the time we discussed it the Rambam's ideas on the subject we really have the same thing over here also what are the Musafim and the Nadogim Musafim at the end of Pinchas and the Pasha of Nidre Issa at the beginning of uh, Matos what are they doing over here in the middle of the Midian story so we're not talking now about the Musafim Ramban, Ramban says that Musafim were only Noyeg in Eretz Yisrael so they weren't set in Bar Yikra it waited here till the end of the 40 years because now they're going to start being Noyek the Musafim and the Nesachim they were going to be starting to be Noyek only in Eretz Yisrael maybe we'll get around to explaining why that may be but that's what Ramban says I'm postulating I'm postulating that the Midvah, the life in the Midvah was a life closer to the ideal than life in Eretz Yisrael subsequently. And the reason why I'm postulating that is that, for example, from the Halach of, of, of Bossa Taiba, Bossa Taiba was also in the Midbar. <coughs> so, what did the person who wanted to, to eat some meat, what did he have to do? He had to go bring a shlomim. And that changed when they got into Eretz Yisrael. What's the Pshad? The Pshad is because they were much too far away. Is there a Mishkan in Eretz Yisrael? The answer is kind of. Because Yerushalayim has the Halachic Din of Machane Yisrael. The Harabais has the Halachic Din of Machane Levia. And the Vesemikos Azor has the Din of Machane Shechina. So in a way, the constituent parts of the Mohammed in the Midbar was on permanent display Ke'ilu in, in Eretz Yisrael. But it's not the same thing. And the people who lived far north or far south, I don't know exactly, like, would they, they, you know, without a car, how, how far would it take? I don't know, it probably takes days, weeks, I, 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 I have no Muslim, but it's a long way away. And that is why the Torah was Matil, Bosa Torah, without bringing it as a Shlomim. So in a way, isn't it interesting that a person who didn't live in Yerushalayim must have felt kind of very strange. You know where he lived? He lived where the Metzairoim went. The Metzairoim had to be sent so that means that they were, while they were Metzairoim, they were sort of outside the entire concept of these holy places of Machane Levi, Machane Shrine, Machane Yisrael. So they were outside, no machanas, outside every machane. Chutzle machane Moshevo. So some guy is living in a perfectly nice uh, uh, neighborhood, yeah? But he's living, he's living without any kesha to those mekaymas. 
it's a, it's a, it's 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 very 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 strange. But in the midbar, he was always the 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 the, the, the Mishkan was almost always was always almost I guess inside. I don't know whether you could could see it from the distance if you're on the edge of of of, of one of the machanos of Yisrael. Well, who knows, right? But. But there was it was kilu next door. And Taki, if you had to have, you want to have some meat, you went, you brought a shlomim. It struck me that if I understood correctly, or at least uh, tending towards a certain degree of correctness, what Rabbi Shapiro was saying was that static is only good as an end to which one moves. But the ideal state is a state of constant movement towards a certain goal. If so, so then the Masoas in the Midbar, especially Moitsoehem le Masehem, where we saw from Shamshvadesh, leaving this place, not because this place is not nice, it was wonderful, and we learned a lot of things there, but we are on now to a new stage of Hashlama. That is the ideal. In other words, the, I, the, the living in an area or living in a time when, when you put down your tent pegs and you settle down for all you knew, a couple of hours later, the whole thing is going to be uprooted again. You're going to have to start traveling. Or maybe you'll be uh, 18 years. In other words, you knew nothing. All you knew was that I'm not Kavua here. This is not, I'm not Kavua here. This is not my place. And at a drop of a hat, at the move of, a, of an onan, I'm going to be on my way. With all the, the difficulty and the complications of packing, you know, yeah, that's how it is, and that's how we're living. That means we're living in a constant state of movement, a constant state of tension, which says that wherever I find myself, it's a temporary thing, and I am on my way to another Hashlama, whether the Hashlama is Shabbos or Schmidt or Yoivel, I'm on my way. That is the life in the Midbar. That's the Masoas. And I think that that explains why these Masoas are listed. Not with a look to the past, this happened, that happened, like the Medr says, I'm not preaching with the Medr, I'm just saying a different Musag, which is also here. So that's yeah, not looking backwards. Not like the Rambam says that this is going to be a, a, a guarantee that uh, a demonstration of the, the enormous nissen that happened in the past. No, it's a look to the future. Just like we learned when uh, last week, I think, when we were talking about ma- ma- matas, uh, the, the Nudogan. So what are they doing over here in the middle of, of nowhere in the end of Amidbar? So the answer is because that's the Hachona for Eretz Yisrael because Nadogam Siog Lepricious and now they're going to get into Eretz Yisrael they're going to have a Mahalach of having to be Paris in the Midbar it wasn't a problem because the Mon was only what they needed but now you're coming to Eretz Yisrael the bottom lane called Tovash Lobonis or whatever it is yeah? and they're going to be surrounded by all kinds of luxury so the Nadogam was something which they needed as a legitimate Hachona to go to to Eretz Yisrael so I think that maybe it could be said that the Masoas are given over here to create a hachona for Eretz Yisrael, meaning that in Eretz Yisrael there is this danger 
Ishtachas Gafna, Ishtachas Teinosai. And uh, we're going to get there to soil, and uh, this Shevet is over here, and this Shevet is over there, and people settle down and say, This is where I belong. What's a home? That one's in the, in the share, like, what, what, is, what is the definition of a home? So, you know, there, there are all kinds of different ways you can look at it, but certainly I think most of us would say, a home is a place where I feel at home. I'm comfortable, I, 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 I you know, I know where my things are, to a greater or lesser degree. Uh, I know a chair where I like to sit. I, I, uh, it's, it's home, I feel at home. The emphasis the is that, that uh, that concept has crept into the idiom of, of English, yeah? Make yourself at home. Yeah? You come to somebody else's house and he says, I'm going to be busy, I'm going to be uh, away for, for half an hour, but while I'm gone, make yourself at home. In other words, feel as comfortable in my strange surroundings as you feel in your familiar surroundings. To my uh, sorrow, if, if, if I'm right in what I'm saying now, it's also crept, uh, crept into the, uh, to the, to the idiom of modern Hebrew. Ani ma'agisha, that's me, babayit. Pose, ani ma'mashkemo, babayit. Yeah, it's it's fine. I, I feel at home over here. Like, you make me feel so welcome. I feel as at home over here as I am at home. It could be that that's not the kind of home that the Rabbani Shalom envisages, or envisions, in Eretz Yisrael. How do I know? Remember, Yoivel is Noyak only when Rav Yashvei Leah, alle gute Sachen. That's when Yoivel is Noyak. And Dafka there, the Torah says, you should know, you gave him, he gave him the social vim, Atemim Madir. That's who you are, that's what you are. So we gave him an Erzisor. Not to feel at home. For Kel, it's not the pshat is that when I'm not at home, I feel like I'm home. It should be that when I'm home, I feel like I'm not at home. Meaning, not to be kavua in this place, that there's always another place to go to. I don't mean not geographically. I mean that life, like, like Rav Shapiro said, Sheshes Yomim Osashem Esashman Yisoros. The Rebbeinishom wanted that life on this earth should be a life of movement, of goal-oriented movement. And that's why the Uvanisham gave us this list of the Masoi. He says, remember, during those 42 years, right, the Mephoshim say, there weren't so many Masoi during the, the, the middle years, only about 20, that means that each place they lived an average of two years. I mean, they weren't that they had to rush back and forth the whole time. Toyo says once in a while it happened that they only stayed for a day in one place, maybe overnight only, but that wasn't the norm. The norm was that they had, and that is itself an expression of the chesed of the Rebbein that they didn't have to rush around the whole time. They had time to rest and to settle down, and uh, by the time they had to move again, it wouldn't be so bad. But you could look at it differently also. You could look and say, look, the Rebbein could theoretically have kept them in the Midbar for these 38 years in one place. Why be metalkled them altogether? Why do you have to move from here to there, from here to there? The answer is because that is the kavona of the Bria. The kavona of the Bria is to be a moving situation, a movement towards a goal. And that is why, why when they entered Eretz Yisrael, just like they needed Nadonim, because now a new Pasha of Precious was going to 
be necessary and they needed to have the means by which they can reinforce their resolution towards precious by using the siog, the nader so here this was also necessary now you're going to go into Eretz Yisrael and you're going to settle down once you're going to settle down like that boy do you need to remember the Masoys you need to remember that in the same Matzav in the same ideal Matzav where you were in the Midbar not, not settling down any place in the Anane Kovat eating the Mon leading such a life you should know that this life that you led was to be made in you to transport the ideas which animated this kind of life into a situation which does not have the same technical conditions. In other words, you won't be moving around. You have to be in your place and it's beautiful. It's fine, it's great. But it's only great if you don't allow it to encroach on your on your hashkofa of what the ideal life is you should remember that the ideal life is the one that you lived in the midbar and that's why I'm giving you the list of the masoids so look it's uh, the three weeks so so, so I guess you, you finish you know there's never what, what did we do <laughs> so you have to get to to Asino Vayishman Yeshu and Vayivat Shamanto Viso well, we, we, we didn't learn much from the from the Masoids and history developed as it developed but uh, we can't blame the Revanishon I mean the Revanishon gave us these Masoids just like he gave us the Pasha of Nedogen to be able to to make mention of ourselves if we used that less than we might have used it no, uh, something that we have to deal with Revanishon should help we should become good Yidden